You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Well, it's time for another Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word on the Book of Psalms. Sandy, welcome back to the microphone. Hi, it's great to be here. We're counting our way down through a number of the Davidic Psalms. So we went up to Psalm 70, working our way back down toward the beginning. We'll choose a number of different ones that highlight something different or bring a new theme to David's Psalms, because there are so many that seem alike. A lot of his traumas in life repeated themselves, mm-hmm. or he faced mm-hmm. the same kind of enemies or troubles time after time. But his are songs, too. They're like the top 10 of the David recordings over the years. <laughs> he had hit songs. Some of these favors of people across centuries, across cultures, across mm-hmm. languages. Something in each of these songs resounds with people at different times and different situations. Well, David has given us permission to express our emotion. And I think that is so key because many of us have been taught that our emotions are not good, Hmm. are the flesh, and we have to die to that. We have to get rid of that. But David tells us a different story. David tells us, your emotions are important, and you can express them freely to God because he's big enough to handle it. That's the message I get from David. And I I, I don't know if you get that same message, but it just seems very prominent in his writing. Your emotional life is as much you as anything else is. Absolutely. In fact, the only things you're going to remember at the end of a long life probably are going to be how you felt about certain things. And Mm -hmm. the feelings themselves will bring about the memory. Mm -hmm. Now, again, triggers aren't always necessarily uh, bad things. You can be triggered to joy by seeing something that reminds you of a great Mm -hmm. thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And David is, of course, reminding God of what he's going through. But, you know, when we talk about the emotional life, if we talk about God creating emotions because he wanted that to be part of who we are, it reflects something about his character and his identity as well. I think God has an emotional life. Yeah. And when we are reminded through our emotions of things that are true, I think God is reminded, if there's such a thing as God being reminded of something, by the things he experiences with us. If he can touch all of his creation and feel everything it feels and prove that by becoming a man and actually doing all the things, experiencing all the things that men experience, he is certainly capable of entering into these experiences. And he is reminded, we're appealing to God's memory here of who he is and asking him to enter into our experience Mm -hmm. as much as he's inviting us to step up into his. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. David has written many of these psalms for group participation. Oh, yeah. We often read at the beginning of the psalms for the choir director or for the choir. David has written this beautiful psalm or this poem, and it says a lot of times, according to this type of music, the lilies is this one, which none of us know what that is, really. (laughs) It was a tune. What song that was, but it was a song that they must have been familiar with. We see that reoccurring in the psalms of David. But it's important to me to think about how this was written for the choir to sing. Mm -hmm. So this is not only David's personal lament or emotion dump, if you want to call it that. This is a group participation thing. This is something that these people could relate to. Right. So maybe we can too. The greatest composers we know of actually took on these psalms, these scriptures, Mm -hmm. and gave them a new melody and arranged them for the people. So when it says for the choir director, it means to the arranger, to the Mm -hmm. conductor, Mm -hmm. to the orchestra pit leader. Bach wrote things that have stayed with us ever since his time, along with Beethoven and all the other great composers of classical times. It's still being written today in the vernacular of the people of the times they live in. 
And I appreciate that there is a, a resurgence, even now, of the psalms being used as the base from which to build new expressions of music and new mm-hmm. hymnody in the modern church. Yeah. They call it the ancient future movement. And musically, that means bringing those things, those truths, into a fresh idiom, things that people would understand or respect. And sometimes the generations right before that don't get it. Yeah. But remember, when David wrote these psalms, he was not drawing from somebody else's experience. It was his experience mm-hmm. in the time he lived in. It was a, dare I say it, a pop song. <laughs> he was writing what was happening to him right yeah. then. Everyone would understand and relate to it when he sang it. Mm-hmm. So we need to be thinking about this through fresh eyes and hearts and ears. Yeah. How do we experience what he's saying and put it in the language that makes real sense to our experience today? Hmm. Well, let's get started in Psalm 69. It's going to take us a few weeks to go through this because it's a long one. Yep. Let's jump in, starting in verse 1. I'd like to also remind people, too, that we have a study guide for each mm-hmm. one of these psalm studies. So if you'd like to see it in paper and actually have some questions to spur your thoughts and prayers as you contemplate these scriptures, we'd love to have you join us in that process as well. So just grab a copy of that at the Compassion Radio website. This is Psalm 69, a plea for rescue. Save me, God. For the water has risen to my neck. I have sunk in deep mud, and there's no footing. I've come into deep waters, and a flood sweeps over me. I am weary from crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs of my head. My deceitful enemies who would destroy me are powerful. Though I did not steal, I must repay. God, you know my foolishness, and my guilty acts are not hidden from you. Do not let those who put their hope in you be disgraced because of me. Mm-hmm. Lord God of hosts, do not let those who seek you be humiliated because of me, God of Israel. For I have endured insults because of you, and shame has covered my face. I've become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's sons, because zeal for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I mourned and fasted, but it brought me insults. I wore sackcloth as my clothing, and I was a joke to them. Those who sit at the city gate talk about me, and drunkards make up songs about me. A song about drunkard songs. Hmm. There's irony in there, of course. I think David is fully aware that he is playing on words and playing on ideas here. And in his way, exalting God is mocking the mockers. Without mocking, when you praise God in the face of those who would denigrate your faith or God himself or throw insults at him, of course they can throw insults at his people. This is one of the hallmarks, actually, of the faithful life throughout history. People who have chosen to follow God are going to be mocked by those who see it as mock-worthy. When we see something that's completely anti that mockery, that worthiness, we see a worth in something that others see nothing but trash. It's going to be mocked. Now, there are reasons why people are mocked for quote-unquote good reasons when they really, truly are doing something despicable or ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And they insist that it's serious. They insist that it's the only way. And the rest of the world can look at that and say, good grief. You're kind of a zealot for something that is either proven to be false or it's really questionable. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you're going to get laughed at. Faithful life is not like that. 
It is actually in the pursuit of truth and pursuing God so he can reveal truth, not so that we can tell him what things are true. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a laughing stock for people that really do know better than I do, but I'm not afraid of being mocked by those who look at my faith or look at my practice of faith mm-hmm. and say, you're stupid for having that. Mm-hmm. You know, That, I would say, is an honest badge of honor. And David is identifying with that. He's not saying I'm a zealot just to be a zealot. He's simply saying... When you find truth and you grab onto that, at the cost of even your reputation before men, you hang on. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of mockery that David is reminding God that he's putting up with. And in this case, he doesn't seem to be asking that God would take it away either. He's just identifying it. If God wants to change the circumstances, he can do that. But he's not asking him, God, take the mockers away. Right. Well, he reminds God in verse 5, you know my foolishness. Mm -hmm. You know the crazy things I've done, the guilty acts that I've performed, that I've done, that, that they're not hidden from you. And if any of that stuff has kept others from coming to you, Lord, forgive me and take it away. Yeah, that's what I was going to make the point of, is that he's saying, those things that I've done that have been foolishness, that have brought shame to you, God, don't let other people be disgraced because of me. Those people that are putting their hope in you, don't let them be humiliated because of me. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. We have a very special giving opportunity to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. You know the crazy things I've done, the guilty acts that I've performed, that I've done, that, that they're not hidden from you. And if any of that stuff has kept others from coming to you, Lord, forgive me and take it away. Yeah, that's what I was going to make the point of, is that he's saying, those things that I've done that have been foolishness, that have brought shame to you, God, don't let other people be disgraced because of me. Those people that are putting their hope in you, don't let them be humiliated because of me. There's been shame. I've experienced that. I've endured humiliation. I've endured insults. And I'm a stranger even in my own mother's home. And maybe some of us have experienced that. Maybe some of us have been through a time in our life or are going through a time in our life where our own family is questioning us. Our own family is insulting us. Or protecting themselves from getting hurt again. Because Mm -hmm. if we failed... And I think the wording here, the language is very careful that David is using. He's suggesting that he has, in fact, blown it. Mm -hmm. But he's also saying, without saying it really, you pay a price for that. And even if I have done that, let it all fall on me. Don't let others fall because of me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of that, he's also saying, I'm a stranger to my family. Could literally mean that he's just not welcome there because they don't trust him. Mm -hmm. Or he's done something that has really screwed everything up. 
and he's repenting, but no one trusts it mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have gone through this. Well, he says kind of two different things here. He says, you know, my foolishness and my guilty acts, you know all of that stuff. Yeah. That has brought shame or that has brought disgrace to some people. They're saying, oh, you know, we don't want to serve God because look what those kind of people do. And we're certainly not going to follow him. Right. But then in verse 10, he says, I mourned and fasted. Hmm. But that also brought insult. He repented. He's I can't still do anything getting mocked right. for it. You yeah. know, I can't, can't do anything. For losing right. Him, yeah. So it seems like David is kind of lamenting all of that. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of stuck in this spiral of I can't please these people. I can't please those people. So if I'm going to please working. somebody, who can I please? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an honest and open question. I think many of us feel it often. Like, yeah. I can't seem to get ahead in this thing that I'm addicted to or I'm having trouble with resolving or I have this emotional baggage that I can't share shake or I'm dealing with depression or something like that that just seems to come back and haunt me all the time. If people are going through those kind of things, they feel personally shamed for that, or they are shamed by others for not, quote, snapping out of it or moving on or getting over it. Think about the families that have lost children in school shootings for the past Ugh. 20 or 30 years. Right. People say, well, you got your justice. This person is being sent to jail for the rest of their life, or they're getting the death penalty. So you have closure, Right. Mm-hmm. And those who are standing on the outside, to the person who's in the middle of that, that is a bitter mockery. Absolutely. Because they're the ones that have to live with the absence of that person the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And yet they don't get real closure because there's really nothing emotionally to close about an open wound. Mm-hmm. There are some wounds that we carry with us the rest of our lives. We hopefully, by God's grace, will learn to experience something beyond the pain, mm-hmm. even while the pain is still there. Mm-hmm. And that is really, I think, one of those severe mercies of God that those who suffer great things can also understand the depth of God's peace and his love in ways that other people can't even fathom yet. Well, we don't get to decide what healing is for those people who are experiencing that deep trauma. And that's just one example, of course, of traumas that are so outside the box Mm -hmm. that you can't even conceive of it, nor do you want to spend time contemplating it for yourself. It's just too scary. Mm -hmm. But there are people who go through those kind of traumas. And there are people going through that right now with the Ukrainian war. They're suffering under the oppressions of huge forces that they can't control themselves. Mm -hmm. All they can do is endure and survive, hopefully, and remember. And remembrance, then, even for the bad things, is part of not just the healing, but the responsibility of those who survive to help in the future while there's avoided, but also to give an account so that there is before God an honesty that God is acknowledged to be the final undoer of evil and the final restorer of life. Yeah. There's so much, of course, here to peel away about what David may be hinting at. But we do know in his history, he really messed up big time on some things that would have put people away for life. Yeah. Yeah. But as king, he was the law. So he somewhat escapes the penalty for the sin that he committed during his lifetime. At the same time, that sin paid dividends And he knows that. And so even in this time where he's not dead yet, he hasn't seen the results of what happened with Solomon and the sons going beyond that or all the generations beyond him. But he can sense that there's a cost. Mm -hmm. And he is pleading with God for mercy, I think not just for himself, but for those who he has harmed. Right. I really love how David describes his grief here, mm, his yeah. his lament in the beginning of the chapter. And I can remember when my mom died, and even when my dad died over 20 years ago, that feeling of being underwater, yeah. that feeling of just being stuck in a place of just great sadness. 
and my throat was parched from mm. crying. My eyes were exhausted from just, God, God, where are you in this? Where can I experience you in such a way that, that I feel peace or rest or anything like that? And he just describes that. When I was reading it, I could relive yeah. those emotions that I felt. and Maybe if you don't even want to. And I don't want to relive them, no, but but it's this, such a vivid remembrance that it brings up in me. And I think, wow, David is speaking across the centuries to so many people, like yeah. you were saying, that have experienced great loss in the school shootings, in the war, and through the pandemic with COVID. And that's just our generation. That's just our generation. Yeah. People who have lost loved ones suddenly for unexplained reasons and all of these things that we experience that are traumatizing to us that bring on such great grief, David is teaching us how to express that to God and to lament those while things. While you're still close to it. While you're still in the middle of it, while you're still drowning. All of these metaphors that we've gone through just in this one section of Psalm 69 the drowning, the underwater, the, the parchedness, the raspy breaths, unable to speak. They all seem to be like an oxymoron to each other. It's like, how can you be drowning and be parched? How, how can you be gargling on water and have a dry throat? Well, because these are all metaphors. How do you give explanation to the inexplicable, to the thing only you are experiencing? If you've been in this position, you, you get it. Yeah, you felt it. And you felt literally the pressure of things weighing down on you like you can't breathe, which mm -hmm. is like drowning. But at the same time, you're calling out because obviously there's some kind of breath in you to call out, but mm -hmm. then you run out of air and you run out of voice. Yeah, all of this is happening mm -hmm. at the same time. How can you be drowning and parched at the same time? Well, that's life sometimes. And I think a lot of people we're talking to right now understand that. So if you've got a favorite poet, it might as well be David. He's been there <laughs> with you. Now, again, to the question of those who have committed or have gone through a sinful experience or chapter in their lives where the transgressions or even iniquities of really choosing evil has been something that's been part of your experience, and now you've repented. Repentance from things that people know about is always a very tricky thing in that you don't know if you get the encouragement you'll need to continue that path. Mm -hmm. Most people think when they're turning away from something like an addiction or some great crime that they'll never really be forgiven of this. Even if they acknowledge it, even if they confess it, even if they ask for mercy, they may get with their lips a forgiveness, mm -hmm. but they're never really sure that they're going to be able to be free of the burden, of the guilt, of the sin. Mm -hmm. And David, I think, feels this. He doesn't really know if he's going to be in the clear with the people. And the mockers at the town gates are the ones that kind of play that role in this song for him. They're mocking him for even trying to change. Right. But he also makes the appeal to God and leaves it in his lap. Even if others around you will never go that far, there seems to be a core of trust in David himself that God will, mm -hmm. in fact, release him. Mm -hmm. And that when he says, I forgive, he means it. David appeals to it. Make it real for me. It seems to be the feeling here. Yeah. And there's that brokenheartedness yeah. that you can really feel as you read this. He's saying, God, don't let others be disgraced because of me. Don't yeah. let others lose their faith because of me, because of my acts of foolishness or because yeah. of my acts of disobedience. There's times that I have felt that too, because you say something just off the cuff or yeah. in a heated moment, you make a statement or you say something or you post something on Facebook or whatever. You something know. mean comes out something of your mouth. Something mean comes out of your mouth. And then it's like, oh my goodness, that could really hurt some people. Those things that and I've there said. There I go again. Now, people who are faithful, people who are vulnerable, are going to suffer because of something I have said. Right. 
And that's David's heart. Please, God, don't let that happen. Not hold my words against me, my yeah. actions against me. Against others. Precisely. We do say things and do things that affect others. In fact, everything we do does, to some degree, affect somebody. Right. I believe for a long time that the only words that are eternal are the ones that come out of your lips. Everything else is within the realm of being able to kill off in your thought life, because only you and God are witness to those things. Mm. But the ones that are out in the wild are now there forever Mm -hmm. with the rest of humanity. That doesn't mean that God can't restore or do something different, but there is something very different about what you think and what you say. It's like you're committing to carving in stone the thing that's in your mind so that the stone carries the imprint, not just your soul. But your soul is the one that's still soft and pliable. It can be regrown. It can be restored. Mm. It's something hard about the things that come out there into the world that there but for the grace of God would forever speak against you. They would always be your accuser. Mm -hmm. And yet God says, I'll put a new thought in their mind. I'll put a new heart in their chest. I'll do all these things. I'm that kind of God. He creates a whole new reality. And I mean reality, not a fake reality where Mm -hmm. we try to believe something that really isn't true. Mm -hmm. He recreates for us a place to be where we can be whole and can be solid and can be right with him. Mm -hmm. This psalm for me goes to the very heart of that phrase where God says about David, he is a man after my own heart. He's pursuing God. Mm -hmm. His zeal has consumed him. Yes. And God is saying, I have a heart And my heart is softened, too, Mm -hmm. to the pleas of the ones that I love. Yeah. I often think that when we begin reading these psalms, how hopeless some of it feels. It always starts that way, for sure. Yeah. And it's true that it doesn't always finish the other way. It does very often, though. I don't like it that we left off on the (laughs) The mockers. (laughs) The mockers. (laughs) But it does remind me, those things are real. Those things are happening. Those things are experiences that 100% of us, we've all gone through these kind of things where we've been the brunt of jokes, the brunt of mockery. Mm -hmm. And I want to be careful in my own life, especially not to falsely put myself in a place of martyrdom or being persecuted, because I'm not. I'm not being persecuted, even if Mm -hmm. I'm mocked. Yeah. Even if I'm made fun of, I'm not being persecuted. That's being assaulted, a yeah. that's a real thing. I don't know how to wrap all this up in a nice little <laughs> gift bow, but it's a good reminder that my emotions are important to God, yeah. and they're real, and I can express them. And I know that we've said that over and over again with reading through the Psalms, but it's just a good reminder. And God's emotions ought to be important to us. Mm-hmm. You know, these mockers, David doesn't shut them down, doesn't call down fire from heaven, which also tells me what he's alluding to is that what they're saying about me is true. Mm-hmm. They don't need to say it that way. They don't need to be so mean about it. But I can't deny that I'm the guy that they're talking about that really did these things. Mm-hmm. Even if the world doesn't give us a second chance, can we still claim ownership of our kinship to God and let him love us in the middle of that and not be ashamed of him or ashamed of ourselves in his presence. That's a real discipline, but something's got to come from the Spirit of God himself that reminds us at the core of our being that what God thinks of us and therefore what he will do about us is very different than what the world would choose. Mm -hmm. He knows us to the bottom of our being, and even there, knowing even how much more evil we are in many ways than we would even let on to, still overwhelms us with love and acceptance. Mm, Thank the Lord. Okay, hon, this leads me to one last thought before we move on. And that is, because David is not throwing accusations or venom at those who are shaming him, not wanting to hold his evil against them, 
or holding their evil against him against them. He's like saying, I don't want to be a judge here because I know I could be judged. And it seems like an echo in some ways of what Jesus says on the cross, Father, don't hold their sins against them. Mm. When you know the truth, and you know the truth itself is going to set you free, it's not your own doing. You know you don't deserve it, but you've been lifted up in a way that is transformative. Mm -hmm. You don't feel so judgmental anymore. Right. Nor do you want others to suffer for their own sins, especially if they've been throwing them at you. Right. And I think on the surface, that can look like arrogance to some. Yeah. But knowing that you are consumed with the zeal of the Lord, as David says in here, you don't feel that animosity toward others necessarily. There's no room for hate. Yeah. I know that we've experienced David calling fire down (laughs) (laughs) upon his enemies. And, you know, going further into this psalm, that may happen as well. But I think you're right, honey. In this space, we can see that David is saying, God, don't hold this against them because they really don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. They don't have any idea. Or they don't even know the half of it. What I've gone through and what I'm going through. Yeah. Well, that's how we'll wrap it up for this edition of Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We'll be back with part two of Psalm 69 on next week's program. We'll see you tomorrow. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Will you help us today? Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.